Today on Locked On Red Wings, a three-game winning streak turns into a three-game losing streak as the Red Wings fall 4-3 to three to the Los Angeles Kings. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for WWJ News Radio 950. Well, Scotty is a freelance journalist for the Detroit News and the host of Locked On Tigers. And uh, early early recording for us on a Sunday here, recording about 1230, trying to get the, knock this out before what the Lions game happens. We want to yes, yeah. watch that team inevitably it's, lose too. <laughs> it's, it's Bears week, baby. We got we to wrap this up. So uh, if there's any news that comes out, and it's not in this episode, you'll know why we recorded fairly early because the Wings played on Saturday. So we figured, hey, why the heck not? But the Red Wings lost 4-3 to three to the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday night in what was probably one of the most boring games I've seen all year, um, much like the Rangers game because the Rangers ended up not having a lot of shots in that game against the Detroit Red Wings either. They just, you know, that third period just crumbled before their eyes. But in this game... They held the Kings to 21 shots, had 21 shots themselves. It was a much better defensive performance. Like, they locked her down pretty pretty good. Um, obviously, Kings scored four goals, but a lot of that has to do with poor goaltending, and I'm going to call it out. Poor goaltending and not being able to stop, not stopping taking penalties. That's not the right way of saying it, but the inability to not take a penalty led to power play goals for the Kings. I mean, those two things were really what made the big difference in this game because – there weren't a lot of shots against, and that's a credit to the defense uh, in this game. Yeah, and we, we it, it's a point that we talk about a lot on here, and we keep reiterating is the five-on-five five play needs to take a big step in a more positive direction as the season goes on. And I think that this game was kind of the epitome of the season so far in the sense that the five-on-five five play, while you weren't getting dominated or anything, there were no shots really on either side on five-on-five, on five, especially through the first two periods. Um, it, it was still a, okay, this offense cannot get any lick of consistent pressure, and all of their opportunities are fast breaks and rushes, and special teams. And that's the only time that this offense – really on a game to game basis this season has been able to consistently attack is only in those aspects. There's very, very little five on five, like threats offensively. And this game, again, I thought was just the epitome of the season offensively in the sense that they still put up three, they were able to come back late, but you never felt like the game was in the Red Wings control ever because the Kings, even though again, they didn't have a, a, boatload of shots on that either got out to an early lead though which I'm sure we'll talk about and then uh you just you were already playing from behind and and it's hard to it's hard to claw your way back into a game from multi from a multiple goal deficit when you can't keep the puck in the attacking zone for more than like 15 seconds at a time yeah I mean the the Kings the first period especially was all Kings all Kings yeah, all day 100% um Nadelkovich, oh, jerseys by the way oh fire I love them dude I, I think not, everybody does that's like a universal thing but like oh 
Every time they do a throwback or a reverse retro for the Los Angeles Kings, I wonder to myself, why are these not the primary colors? Because Literally. the black and silver so is so boring. They're not bad jerseys. They're just decent jerseys, but like they're so boring in comparison to the purple and gold. And that's like an iconic color for LA too. I mean, the Lakers wear them right. too. So it's like, just use those. You have the color <laughs> scheme and it, it works. It works in literally every league that you play in. Use them. But anyways, don't want to get too far off topic here. Um, yeah, the, the Kings absolutely dominated that game uh, in the first period. The shots four were eight, eight to two at five on five for the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, Corsi was 20, 23 shot attempts for nine shot attempts against. And then, you know, quality of shots, too, was 73% in favor of the um, Kings. It was just an absolute domination by the Los yeah. Angeles Kings. And, you know, we are looking at they kept talking about last year how the wings were outshot at the I called it the Staples Center the other night. I forgot that they changed it to like Crypto Arena. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, is it Crypto.com Arena? Something that like it that. It's stupid as hell. Yeah. Um, but and so last year, everyone kept talking about on the broadcast because the first period was getting out to such a slow start. The wings were outshot twenty-seven to two or something like that, and yeah. they're all like, "Oh no! Oh my goodness! No, Do you no, remember no, that?" No. I, thankfully, I actually don't, and I'm glad I don't. I must have like wiped yeah, that, that the from Pistons my memory. Must have played that night because <laughs> golly, man, that, I remember talking about that game, and holy cow! Oh goodness gravy! It must have been a game where I was at LCA working a Pistons one for sure. Yeah, dude. That <laughs> thankfully, was, I, mean, I don't that remember was, that game. Goodness gracious! Yeah, I remember. I remember talking about that game. <laughs> <laughs> golly. <laughs> But uh, I, it looked that way for a while, and then thankfully the Red Wings responded with a dominant Kubalik power play goal um, as he continues to just do his thing. And then in the second and the third periods, it was pretty even, just not a lot of offense in this game. I mean, what really yeah. killed you in this game was Nedeljkovic playing poorly. Um, and granted, and the inability to not take penalties. And that's how I started off the right. show. And that, again, reiterating is what killed you in this game because the Los Angeles Kings – scored what three two two or three power play goals in this one they scored two power play goals one even strength goal and uh, two even strength goals i mean that's just you have you can't i mean we talk about this every episode is you have got to stay out of the box if you want to win hockey games and you score two power play goals on your own which is great because the power play in the last two games hasn't been all that good but we talk about how this team steals games and they steal games by um, not by not allowing power play goals and scoring power play goals of their own because we know at five on five they're not very good. Now, in this game, periods two and three, they actually played pretty even at five on five, which is great. Yeah. Like, there were positives was, in this game, was, I thought, really even. Yeah. yeah, there were absolutely positives to take away from this game. Um, like I said, the power, the, the power play was good again. The five on five play was even after the first period, they hung with them, but. There's just was like you said was it was even, but that's because both teams kind of lacked the ability to generate any offense at five on five. That's why. Right. Yeah, neither team on a consistent basis was really was really able to, um, at least like consistent threats or like consistent high danger opportunities. They weren't like goal scoring is is honestly a different thing these days. But uh, it, I don't know, man. Like it was. Uh, it was a game that early on, I and like it was impossible not to nine seconds in, right? We give up a goal nine seconds into the game. So you kind of thought like, oh, brother, here we go again. And I think that it, it was a game that it, after the first period, I was pretty convinced we were going to get routed again. Me too. And then 
they, you know, a loss is a loss. I didn't get any points out of it. Like whatever. I, I totally understand that. Um, but they at least in the second and third, and especially the third salvaged the game to make it somewhat close and didn't just roll over. And we talked about that so much after or at the end of last week and how a lot of their losses lately, it seemed like they get down a couple of goals and it's just like, okay, well, it's over. We're going to throw in the towel and lose by five, six, seven goals. And it was nice, even though with the loss, yes, absolutely. It was still nice to at least see that they didn't just roll over and get absolutely destroyed and they were able to salvage their way back into the game and make it relatively close. No, I mean, and that's the thing that I, you know, you battle with internally and I battle with internally is because we have risen. We claim to have risen our expectations for this team going into the season because of all the free agent acquisitions and the impact that they've had and continue to have in this game as well. And so you want to say that losing a game absolutely cannot serve as a good bounce back. But I mean, you look at the numbers and they fought hard against Los Angeles Kings. They battled back. They're obviously clear, still clear red flags. They got to take care of like Nadelkovich, yeah. which we'll talk a little bit more of. I have, I've just, I want to talk about Nadelkovich in segment two. Um, but like they were able to shore up some of the big weaknesses. Obviously we talked already about defensively. They played better. They were able to, um, stop the Los Angeles Kings from really generating any consistent offensive zone pressure. Uh, it was mostly they broke up a lot, uh, broke up a lot of zone entries. They would dump and chase the puck into our zone. A scrum would ensue. And I made a tweet about it. It was like, it was break in turnover, break out, break in turnover. That's pretty much what it was. <laughs> the occasional puck squeaking out to the slot for a shot against. And so that was great to see. So five on five play improved, but then your penalties were still an issue. Your goaltending was an issue in this game, which we see a lot of, like I said, with Ndalkovich. So right. they bought back and they didn't fought back rather not bought back. I don't know what that means. They fought back and got it into this game. But like you've said, you can't keep getting yourself into a hole and expect to climb back out. And it's just, you know, it was, it was a good effort. They didn't give up, but they're still like, you got to win hockey games. You got to get points in hockey games. If you want to stay in the race for the Atlantic division. We talked about it. We said it on the game against the New York Rangers. We both believe this team probably isn't a playoff team this year. We think down the run, down the stretch, they're going to battle for a wild card spot, but this Atlantic division is just too deep for them to actually win it. 85, 87 points. It's a massive improvement on last season. And we expect, but that's not enough in the league anymore to make the playoffs. I mean, we talked right. about it. The Buff Boston Bruins made the playoffs last year in a wild card position with a hundred points. Right. So, Expectations are risen, but also we got to keep in mind that like this, what the reality of what this team still is trying to accomplish. And they're just not Absolutely. quite there yet. We're seeing progress, but they're not quite there yet. Um, we got to get to a break though. And when we come back, we'll talk about Alex Nadelkovich. Uh, we'll talk about the pros in this game besides just the defense. We got to talk about Larkin, Kubalik, um, Jonathan Bergen in line four. Great again. Uh, Bergen getting looks on the top line as well. We'll talk all about that segment two. If you've thought about securing your home with home security, but have been putting it off, you'll want to listen up. Right now, Lockdown Red Wings listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. 
This is their biggest offer yet, and you don't want to miss it. Here is why you're going to love it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you can get priority police response. Simply Safe is whole home security with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door. HD security cameras for inside and out. Smarter ways to detect motion that alert you only when a threat is real. And even hazard sensors that detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. 24-7 professional monitoring service costs less than $1 a day. Less than half the price of ADT's traditional professionally installed system. With the top-rated Simply Safe app, stay in complete control of your system anytime, anywhere. Arm or disarm, unlock for a guest, access your cameras, or adjust system settings. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system that uh, Lockdown Red Wings recommends. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com slash Lockdown Red Wings today. This is the biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com, Lockdown NHL. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We're breaking down the uh, loss to the Los Angeles Kings, and the game was a step forward in the right direction, but not quite there all the way. And I just want to pause and talk a bit about Nadelkovich because after a good bounce-back game last weekend against the New York Rangers and the overtime win against them, they he came out and did not look good. And obviously, he allowed that goal in the first nine seconds, and it was a two-on-one, so, you know, it's not... That goal is on the team as a whole, but we talk about this and Nedeljkovic has a tendency to allow goals in like the first five minutes of the game or the first few shots of the game. The team does too, but Nedeljkovic usually when he's in net and I don't want to put that goal on him, but the goal on the power play, both goals on the power play for the Kings were weak ones. The one that the first goal that Dursey had the, uh, he was caught out of position and somehow made the save. The puck came across to Dursey on the far side. And because Nadelkovich was already out of position on the first shot, he was actually in position for this shot, squared up with Dursey. And somehow Dursey beat him short side. And I watched multiple replays, and I just can't wrap my head around how this shot beat Nadelkovich because he was squared up with the shot. And then the other power play goal, and at first we were all like, well, Phil Peronic, what are you doing? And he, you should still never cross-check a guy into your own goaltender. But that was a weak shot into the five hole that squeaked through. And so there are at least two goals in this game that are, and both were on the power play where Nadelkovich should have made the save. And his goal saved above expected in this one was like negative minus two and a half. So the numbers back up. What we're seeing is that he's not playing too par. I mean, four goals against on 21 shots isn't really acceptable and you know we we are very careful we are always very careful and i've said this before about blaming goaltending when it comes to team losses because hockey is a team game and so when a goalie plays poorly or there's a lot of goals against you have to look at the wider scope of things but consistently in almost every game that nadalgovic has played in his goal saved above expected is safely in the negative except with the exception of the great game he put up against the new york rangers last weekend so you know, you got to call a spade a spade here. And he just has continued not to really play well or play consistent early in the game here and or early in the season here and not really giving his team a chance to compete. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, we saw a lot last season that uh, 
this team, and again, much different defense as we've reiterated a lot, but same goaltender. So we, we've seen a, a lot in the second half of last season, the ability for Red Wings games to get out of hand really quickly and go from close games to blowouts or, or whatnot. And we've already seen it several times this season with both goalies now, but still more so Ned than Huso. It's just uh, it's a uh, it's a trend that no one wants. Like nobody, <laughs> they the goalies don't want it. The, the coaching staff doesn't want it. The defense doesn't want it. The fans don't want it. Nobody wants your losses to be just like embarrassing losses. And this one was only a one goal loss, obviously. But again, like the difference that a game. Giving up a goal 10 seconds into a game, less than 10 seconds into a game, like the difference in how the rest of that period is most likely going to play cannot be stressed enough. Like that's that's really brutal. And that's, again, something that in Ned's really entire Red Wings career, we have seen him not like consistently to the sense where it's like every game, but we have seen him enough to notice give up really quick goals at, at the start of games over and over and over again and it's it's uh it's definitely frustrating and it's definitely something that that again like like you said it's not like the goal was entirely 100% on him and it was some terrible goal or whatever and it's it's certainly on the defense too but that, that there's just these these traits and like Trends. these things that this team does on a semi-consistent basis that like you have to nip and like you have to get rid of. Yeah. Like we're far enough into the season, 15 games to like, look at what is happening and notice trends. And this is a trend. Right. And uh, by no means, like I, I root for Nadalkovich. I have a soft spot spot in my heart for Nadalkovich because of what he went through last season and some of the performances he put up. So I Correct. want him to get back on a consistent basis because the team needs two good goaltenders. They, it just does. So I just I'm I'm rooting for him on every step of the way, but that was just another unfortunately poor performance by him. And you know, I we talked about all the other negatives, and that that's just one of the key ones. Continually taking penalties is bad; it is a problem. Winning faceoffs continues to be a problem as they got they won or they won like forty three percent of their faceoffs in this game. I have it up here: forty two point three faceoff win percentage. Larkin was the only one with an even fifty fifty. Uh, face-off percentage in this game. It's just, come on, guys. Like, this is just, this is the team. It's not quite consistent. Too. Yeah. But this is, again, this is what we talk about. This is a team that's looking to take steps forward this year. And they've taken some steps forward. And they haven't in other areas. And we just have to make sure that we are re continue to be realistic with our expectations. Let's talk about the good things that happen before I start repeating myself even more. Um, Kubalik and Larkin. Their scoring race, Raymond got a point in this game as well as those three guys continue to be the bulk of the offense on this team. Is David Perron's gone kind of cold? Kubelik with a uh, a power play, just like the the Kubelik goal. Like, should we just call that the Kubelik goal? A power play one timer. It was a like, beauty. It was a great goal. I mean, uh, Peterson, I think probably wants that one back a little bit, as I think it snuck through him. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, Kubelik's ability to—he's like the oh god, you you will know this. I can't remember the name of the guy from them. It's been a while since I've seen the Mighty Ducks, but the guy from the Mighty Ducks who scores on one out of five slap shot. Oh yeah, some of yeah. the comments is going to tell me the name and make fun of me. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't remember his name either. 
Right. That's literally Kubalik. One out of five one-timers yeah, right. finds the back of the net because he missed one later in the game that would have uh, brought them within one, I think, at the time, or maybe even tied it because it might have been after Hronik's goal. But he looked great again, just creating offensive opportunities, a Larkin scoring on a nice tic-tac-toe uh, pass in play from uh, Raymond and Sunquist Looked good. That was Raymond's first assist yeah. since the second game of the season, by the way. <laughs> it's been a while. But those two players, with Raymond included as well, are have been the offense for this team throughout this stretch of like lower goal totals. Yeah. And it's really nice to see that players who are supposed to score goals score goals. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, we we it cannot be reiterated enough Kubelik's value to this team and just like the ability that he has, or if he has even a a a small window or even a tiny opening, he's going to let it rip. And and we talk about it all the time. So you don't have to rehab that conversation for, for the millionth time, but it's just, it's so reassuring. And it's just, it's kind of like a safety net offensively. We're like, okay, we might get outshot and we might not be able to have any consistent pressure in the opponent's zone. But if the puck gets on Dominic Kubalik's stick, it's going towards the net. That's at least somewhat reassuring. And that's why, he keeps getting opportunities to score and taking advantage of them. Yeah, 18 points in 15 games for Kubelik and 17 points in 15 games for Dylan Larkin. Dylan Larkin being a plus six is pretty incredible as well. For as bad yeah. as this team is at five on five, because plus minus only counts five on five uh, goals. So the fact that he's a plus six on this team that's as bad as they are at five on five speaks to how important he is Right. To their five-on-five play. And, you know, plus-minus isn't like an end-all, be-all stat. In fact, I think it's one of the weaker stats. But, you know, there's something to be said about plus-six. Phil Pronick also being a plus-four is a massive surprise as he continues to be a either on or off player every night. Last night was a bit of both, in fact, as he had that weird Correct. cross-check play. That would have been a goal regardless. But then he scored the uh, goal that brought him within one off of the Dominic Kubelik assist, which put him in the lead on uh, for points. But, I mean, those things were positives. And then line four. That line of Valeno, Zarnik, and Bergeron is fantastic. And we'll talk about that in segment three because I got to talk to you guys today about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it covered at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Um, let's talk about that line four. Uh, Zarnik, Bergeron, and uh, Joe Valeno. Beauty. And be absolute beauty of a line. that They're generating. There's so much, I think, motivation with those three players on that line that their their hustle is at a next level. I mean, we talked about in the preseason, Valena looked good, Bergen looked good, Zarnik looked good, but like we knew what their roles were. You put those three guys together, Zarnik doesn't want to get sent back down to the AHL. He thinks he deserves an NHL spot. Bergen made his NHL debut and wants to stick with the team. And Joe Valeno is trying to prove that he's more than a bottom six forward. And their hustle and heart and their immediate chemistry that they've had has been fantastic. Bergen had several great opportunities in this game set up by Zarnik and Valeno, and then enough so that he earned a spot on the top line in the third period, replacing Pew Suter. That was that line as a whole, especially Bergen, has been fantastic. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that's a great point, kind of like the motivation of that line. They're all not necessarily all like, well, I mean, they're all fighting to get playing time in the future, right? Like that's the mm -hmm. that's the motivation behind that entire line is just the, the ability to some of them stay on the roster like that, that. I think that's a really good point. And I mean, Bergeron's just been great. Like that's just been he's he's looked really solid well beyond uh he, he hasn't appeared so far to look i don't know taken by the moment or like the stage is too big for him or like the level of play is too big for him he's, like he has looked really really solid and i i continue to be impressed by him and the other joe valeno i thought is i think has looked fantastic yes offensively especially for a majority of the season uh he had a goal, what, at the end of last week, he had a goal that was an absolute beauty. He's had a couple of assists. Like, he's – he. I think Joe Valeno's looked really solid. And the emergence of him looking the way he has is, I think, why a lot of people are really – well, part of the reason why a lot of people are really fine with Suter moving over to the wing. And, like, that adds depth to the wings – uh, it, it, and, and whatnot, but you don't necessarily need that if Valeno's playing as well as he is. So yeah, it's awesome to see. It helps the depth, which we desperately need right now. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. They've been as a line, we looked the game against the Rangers. We didn't want, like we were down bad that episode, but they were phenomenal in the game against the Rangers yeah. in a game where you got blown out eight to two. And in this game, again, they were the best line there as, as a line, whole uh at five on five they outshot their opponents their core c percentage was 53.3 and their goals four percentage expected goals four was 69 percent in what just five, only six minutes of playing together so that's not a lot but then when you break them up individually they were fantastic jonathan bergeron was your best player out there um percentage wise and again playing time is a huge factor in that is like got, bergeron only got 13 minutes of playing time at five on five but you got guys like phil peronic on the defensive side of things who had like 17 minutes so more playing time you're going to see more action and those percentages right. will shift but he was your best player at Corsi. he was your best player um at shot for shots four percentage seven shots fourth for three shots against and no other player on the team had seven shots four when he was on the ice when they were on the ice then john and bergeron like it's Jonathan Bergen, by the way. I keep wanting to say, call him Jonathan Bergen, but it's Jonathan Bergen. <laughs> um, and if you ask Ken Daniels, it's Bergen. I don't. Right. I, yeah. Don't get me started on that. But uh, expected goals four percentage was sixty four percent, and then following him was Valeno and Zarnik. So they were the best line together, and then individually they were the best players on the ice. Honest, again, time on the ice is a big factor into that, but. I've really liked what I've seen out of that fourth line in these losses. They they just continue to have high motivation and easy chemistry. Yeah, again, like it's something we talked about with the depth and how vital that is. This is a, a, a very nice development and something that this team desperately needs. So Well, and speaking of depth, the depth could get very much better very soon as Tyler Bertuzzi is, I won't say expected, but possibly playing on Tuesday against Anaheim. Yeah. and. My question is this, Scotty, regarding Tyler Bertuzzi coming back. How much better does Detroit get with Tyler Bertuzzi in the lineup? Will How many of the issues that the Red Wings have will Tyler Bertuzzi fix? Well, I, I mean, as far as right away, I think the, the issue that we talk about with consistent 
zone pressure, like or consistent pressure in the opponent's zone. Like I think that he definitely greatly helps in that area just because of his style of play and being, you know, wreaking havoc in front of the net or, you know, playing bully ball or whatever. Like he, he's going to, he's going to certainly help the offense. And, but obviously, like you said, I think the biggest thing is just, it's going to improve the depth. And this is a, a team that again, on opening night, we were like, okay, this is the deepest wings team we've had in a few years. Like this is really nice and really reassuring. And then, Immediately so got this. players got hurt that immediately that depth went away and we, we were just as shallow as we were. Now, that's the point of depth. So, like, great. But, I, you know, as these players start to slowly come back into the lineup, you're going to see a, a deeper and deeper team. Like, Soderblom didn't play against L.A. Hopefully that's a temporary thing. He took a puck off the knee. Like, hopefully that can can is resolved quickly. So, like, you're, you're going to see this team just – get deeper which can can only help obviously yeah i think that five on five play is where bertuzzi is going to massively help and you mentioned it too is generating that offensive zone pressure because if there's anyone on this team who can make dump and chase hockey successful it's tyler bertuzzi and not i'm not advocating for dump and chase i'd rather have a clean zone entry but there are times where dump and chase is the only way to get that puck into the zone and Tyler Bertuzzi wins battles along the boards. Yes. <laughs> That's something this team struggles to do. He wins those battles along the boards, and he wins those net front battles. He is a, an absolute menace, and he's got decent hands on him too. So combining those two factors with his high motor, this guy can be a game changer in the top six and really generate more goals. Like you'll go from – I'm not I'm not trying to say he's like Connor McDavid, but the impact he will have on that top six can't be overstated. He will make the top line better. You're not going to have Larkin, Raymond, and then a cycle of Pew Suter or Dominic Kubalik or whoever's playing that top line anymore. You'll have Bertuzzi, Larkin, and Raymond back together, which you yeah, know, consistency, yeah. which we know from last year when that team was brutal is a bona fide top line for this team that generates a lot of offense. So then you have that, your second line of cop, assuming he ever turns it on, he's been underwhelming. I feel like that should be a topic for one of these episodes is yeah. how underwhelming cop's been so far. But cop, Peron, and Kubelik, those are two bona fide wingers, and they have good chemistry together. And we've seen that on the power play. That's a good top six now. You got your good top six back. Moving Pew Suter back down to the bottom six adds that depth back. I mean, not only is it an immediate impact on the top six, pushing those guys back down to where they're more comfortable is going to make the bottom six better. So, no, I don't think that Tyler Bertuzzi is going to solve every issue that the Red Wings have. But I think that he will go a long way to helping the team get better. And that seems like such a no-dust statement. But he's going to score goals. He's going to make plays happen. He's just – he he's a – I don't want to call him a playmaker because he, he is, but like that's not the word I'm trying to use. He is like a he's like a spark plug. He's, he's not a spark a, yeah, plug. he's not a playmaker in the sense of being like this uber elite facilitator, but he is a playmaker in the sense that plays happen when he is on the ice. Yeah, because right. of him, because he's a spark plug. He right. starts things and it's like getting him back is so crucial to this team's success. Absolutely. Um the only other shout out I have is the power play scored two goals. You got back on the horse. Let's go. Yeah. Um, always good. And that, yeah, again, something that I would like to see more on a consistent basis instead of like 
hey, we're not going to score for a week, and then we're going <laughs> to drop two or three in a night, and our percentage isn't going to be terrible. Like, I'd like a little more consistency. But, yeah, obviously always a plus. Yeah, I mean, end of the day, guys, the game was a step in the right direction. There are still issues to be had, but they tightened up on those issues. But, again, no moral victories. You know, you got to you gotta start winning hockey games. Bright side, though, silver lining, is there's only two points separating you and the second in the division. This division is still yeah. a really tight race with the exception of the Bruins being, I don't know, somehow a juggernaut this season. Insane. I, I mean, I, I'm not surprised, but I'm surprised at the same time. It's it. If Bergeron had retired, Krejci wouldn't have come back. That team would have been a lot worse off. But Correct. Bergeron is ageless. Krejci apparently is ageless. And we already knew that McAvoy, who just came back, Marshawn is great. And we know what David Pasternak is. So, I mean, whew, those Bruins. But the division, rest of the division is still very close. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, that'll do it. We'll be back on Tuesday. Word. Episode. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about Andrew Cop. Maybe. 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 We'll, we'll see. We'll see what yeah, unfolds. Uh, same time, same place. It's your team. Every day. Every day. <laughs> I was expecting you to go bet online there, so I, I paused for you to say it. Bet online. There it is. <laughs>